you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Right now and fast, a rate surge and a currency climb taking a toll on markets. And now snaps after hours miss, cratering that stock and the rest of the social space. Will the rest of tech follow? We'll go inside the numbers. Plus, a Tesla tumble, shares falling to 52-week lows as investors call you-know-what on Elon Musk's claims the EV maker will grow to be bigger than Apple and Saudi Aramco. And later, AT&T dialing up big games. When's the last time we said that? Rolling the dice on Las Vegas Sands and the options action on an energized sector. I'm Carl Quintanilla in for Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money live from the NASDAQ market site. Full desk of the OGs tonight. Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Dan Nathan, Guy Adami. Nice to be back with you guys Thanks. on set. Welcome, Being Carl. Here, Carl. Let's get right to Snap. Losing a quarter of its value after hours on this revenue miss. Slowest growth since going public. This is the street's first look at the struggling online ad market, and it's not a pretty one. Let's get to Julia Borston with all the details. Julia. Wow, that stock down at 25%. Carl, Snapchat's plummeting after the company beat on earnings, and it grew its users faster than expected, actually accelerating daily active user growth to add $16 million in the quarter. But revenue missed by a hair as average revenue per user fell short of estimates and declined both sequentially and also down from the year-ago period. But the real source of concern warnings that fourth quarter revenue will be flat. That's far short of analyst consensus for 6.4% revenue growth. <clears throat> this, as Snap anticipates, revenue growth will decelerate from now, which is actually saying 9% revenue growth throughout the quarter. Spiegel writing, quote, we are finding that our advertising partners across many industries are decreasing their marketing budgets, especially in the face of operating environment headwinds, inflation-driven cost pressures, and rising costs of capital. The company also noting that although overall users did increase, total time spent watching content in the U.S. decreased 5% from a year ago. Carl? Uh, yeah, not a good metric, Julia. Thank you. Let's trade it. Uh, Dan, what do you think? Yeah, so I'm long it. I've been long calls. I've been telling people I think there's a two down, kind of five or six up sort of scenario. Well, we got the two down. It's actually, you know, three down. Um, and on a percentage basis, it's kind of massive. When you think about all the news that we've had from August with the job cuts, the restructuring that we saw in September, the market initially liked that in September, right? And so the stock had rallied. It had come all the way back here. Karen, you said on the desk the other night, man, this thing has not gotten out of its own way in a long time. I'll just say this. I'm going to be buying more. I bought some on the plunge below $10 on the last really big disappointment here. And I just think that, again, if Elon buys Twitter, a company that's going to do $5 billion in revenues that has a margin about 60% of much lower ARPU than Facebook and everything like that, then this thing with a $14 billion enterprise value is just way too cheap. It, even though they are in the throes of a massive downturn, this secular shift that we all know um, for AdSense. So to me, I think it's really interesting if you're new to the story, but you don't, I mean, this is it's a, it's a tough one here because it's a hat size now. Is it big enough to be a tell? That's the debate I'm hearing. Right. Is, is, is it size? Is it systemic in any way, even to the sector? Well, they, the sector's trading like it is systemic, and I've got to think directionally it is because of some of you know the Apple privacy issues still are you know weighing them down, and I think Meta is going to have the same issues. But all, you know, I think that uh, Alphabet should be much less affected because of their search, not not so. Uh, dependent on, on Apple, but also just the broad talk about advertisers sort of, you know, 
pulling in the purse strings a little bit, um, direct response advertising. Uh, the brand advertising is actually not doing as well, so that I think they're going to do less of that. So I think that will read also to Meta, unfortunately, which I own, which has you know, really been awful this year. Uh, and I think less so to, to um, Alphabet. I think we've seen Alphabet actually be a beneficiary in some ways. Yeah, but we, we always ask this question, though, is this a snap issue or is this an industry issue? And, and I think, obviously, we know the industry's got headwinds. We know their ad budget's being cut. We know there's a lot of anxiety. And we also know that every media company has been hit hard and hit often. Uh, and I would say that they were the first ones to really get knocked down. And Snap has done this many times. But uh, I'm going to attribute a lot of this to, to Snap, because when you think about their model, they are at least highest in the funnel on attribution in terms of where advertisers can actually say, hey, uh, Snap is the place I want to advertise and I want to give that budget to, they can't do that. And the iOS issue hits them harder than anybody. Facebook at least is getting the sales done on their platform. And, and so to me, I, I look at this, we all know it's a difficult time. And if you're an advertiser at this time when you're cutting budgets, um, Snap's the first place to go. So I, I think that's really what it comes down to. I, I just think it, it is slightly structural at a time when it's a really difficult place. I go and look at it. I mean, yes, it's a disaster. Is it a 25% disaster on top of the move we've already seen? I mean, this has been flatlining now for months at 10 bucks. But I'll say this quickly to Karen's point. I mean, if you're making the jump that Google should be down in sympathy, I understand why you do that. I think it's wrong. And as a matter of fact, in the earnings next week, Google probably with now a 97 handle flirting with a 52-week low probably sets up well. Snap, and Steve, if Steve were here, we'd talk about the three-day roll. i throw that out the window and say, this stock's going to trade north of 100 million shares tomorrow, which is going to be three or four times normal volume. And I think you can buy this for a trade. So Snap for a trade, Google for investment going into earnings next so, week. So really interesting, though. It's not just a Snap thing. It's also a TikTok thing, right? And you think about that. We keep hearing stories about how they're taking share within this kind of demographic. And <clears> listen, <throat> if we are going into a recessionary environment or we are in a recessionary environment going into a recession and you're like focused on digital ad spending, you're probably going to cut off a teen audience that doesn't have a lot of disposable income that probably comes first in a way. So again, you know, I, I don't know if it's like it, maybe it's apples to oranges, but if you're thinking about things from a strategic standpoint. We just saw Starbird make a couple, um, you, you know, uh, I guess you call them activist sorts of investments in the software space. You look at this thing, Evan Spiegel deemed to be this great product guy. They're get, cutting back on all of these things that they were kind of getting into, hardware and some of these other things. They've cut a lot of their staff. They're going to cut things to the bone. They're going to get back to that app, that one thing. And if Elon thinks that Twitter is the start of building an X app, that's this everything sort of app, then this is a very unique social property to some other street strategic sort of thing. So to me, that's kind of my bet. I'm thinking out multiple months, if not years. Does, does the valuation, though, yeah. at, at, I mean, and I'm truly asking, does it look interesting at eight bucks a share on a, on a rev per share? The I mean, only yeah. thing I'll just look at is this, okay? They're going to do five, a little less than $5 billion in sales this year. So is Twitter. Twitter's getting taken out next week supposedly for 44 <laughs> billion dollars that's all i'm going to say okay, so you know for four times sale they have more users that, that they, they monetize better mm -hmm. you know what i mean like so to me i don't know you tell me well, to me, I mean, look at Meta. It's in a similar, obviously, quite a similar yeah. space. The valuation is so vastly different for a company with so much more. I mean, Snap has plenty of resources as well. The only thing Meta doesn't have, they are not a takeover candidate yeah, at this all. This is a take private, okay? If, a if, take if the rich private in this market to wh have Why not? If, why not? Because it could be really They have $4.5 billion in, in, in cash right now. They're losing money. They obviously have a lot of debt. Right. It looks a lot better on paper for an LBO than Twitter but does. Elon that admits he's yeah. overpaid. Yes, he says. Yeah. By $25 billion. And this has a $14 billion enterprise value, and they have the same user base. 
one thing, you know, uh, coming out of Netflix, there was this notion that yeah. it gave you a path to start to own the big mega caps in front of next week. Does this undo that, or is the size differential make this less relevant than, say, Netflix's earnings? I don't, I didn't, well, I understand what you're saying. I understand that people made that leap. I didn't see it. I mean, Netflix is a Netflix-specific story, in my opinion. It always has been, but I, I get it. This undoes it absolutely because it's dragging down names like Facebook, like Google, like Pinterest. I mean, we can rattle them off. We'll put them up on the screen. You can see what they're doing in the after hours. Now, this is not a snap specific thing, I think, is what the market is saying. Whereas Netflix, I think it's just Reed Hastings running his business better. Although, you know, here's Netflix with an ad supported model. And, and it's a time that they really want to show some numbers. No one's they kind of get a pass here. And that's what these numbers were all about for for, for Netflix. No one really cared about their subs. In fact, they obviously beat on the upside of the subs, but it wouldn't have mattered if they missed on the downside. I, I worry about the ads. I, I would just get back to, I think a lot of these media companies, and especially the ones that really can both attribute the business to them, but also have very large bases, are, are the ones that have been priced on recession very, very early. And, and if anything, I think these are the ones that have priced in recession. These are not companies with credit issues. And, and I think that makes them interesting. Uh, the other, of course, big move, and we'll see in the morning whether we're talking about this or the 10-year mm -hmm. or the dollar. The other yeah. big move in the market today, of course, uh, hitting its highest level against the yen since 90. For more on that, Kathy Lean of BK Asset Management joins us. Kathy, I wonder where you think we are in terms of chapters of stress and how much longer this can go on. Well, I think what you have to look at is, you know, in the near term, the U.S. Fed policy is the most aggressive. But Fed fund futures are pretty much pricing in 5% rates, which is basically what's priced into the U.S. dollar. So while I think that there could be another push higher, you know, we got above 150 in dollar yen. That was very important for investors. I don't think that we're going to see much more momentum. I think for long-term investors, if they're looking at the U.S. dollar, now might be the time to be scaling into those dollar short trades because, while the Fed you know, is almost certain to raise interest rates by 75 at their next meeting, you know, confirming this move in the dollar, I don't think they have you know, much more of a surprise for the investors to really get them back into um, additional long dollar trades. Kathy, it's Tim. Thanks for joining us. But this move in the end is so extraordinary, and it's so extraordinary, and the reason part of it is the BOJ is paying no attention to inflation, or so it seems. And, and they seem to be so mismatched in terms of the differential here on policy. Does that concern you? Because it, you know, people talk about yen, and they talk about it in terms of policy failures and systemic. And, and this is the stuff that, uh, frankly, I think a lot of equity investors don't get a chance to look at every day. Uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, Japanese have really struggled with um, managing the currency and managing also, you know, the, where inflation is at. And they're under a lot of stress because, you know, at the end of the day, the yen is weak, bond yields are rising, and they're really pushing against that quarter percent 10-year yield cap. So the Bank of Japan has a policy meeting next week, and they really need to take action. I don't, you know, I don't think they're ready to, but if they really want to, you know, put a halt to this move, I think they need to start talking about raising interest rates and catching up with the other central banks. Kathy, currency crisis is now a term you're starting to hear more and more of. And listen, the moves in developed market currencies are unprecedented. How close are we? Are we in the midst of one now? Well, I think, you know, it's definitely a crisis for a lot of countries. And I think it's, you know, we are in a very sensitive position because central banks are really pressing the gas at a time when all of these growth factors are starting to show signs of weakness. So I'm worried. I think that, you know, we may be in a situation where growth could really um, – you know, break down very aggressively, very quickly across the globe. And the currency factor won't be able to, you know, pick up the slack. And I think, you know, overall, it could become a serious issue. 
Uh, last one, Kathy. Goldman today. Uh, we're inclined to think that the U.K. fire has been arrested and that the U.K. story will now move to the back burner. Uh, you, you think the pound said that today? I completely agree. I think that the U-turn um, that they had in terms of ousting the prime minister and Jeremy Hunt throwing out those tax cut plans is going to lead to a U-turn in the British pounds. I think that you know, the market, you know, the way the pounds is moving now, saw this as a positive move by the UK government. It's going to restore confidence because you know, a lot of the policies, they you know, completely caused a, a chaotic mess in the UK markets. So I think you know, we're going to get to calmer times. And the pound had dropped to very, very weak levels. We're going to see bargain hunters relieved by the latest political developments. Kathy, appreciate that. Uh, Kathy Lean, let's uh, trade this, Karen. I wonder what you make of that currency picture and how it's creeping into every big either earnings guidance, analyst day, or corporate result. Right. I mean, we saw P&G, for example. We're going to see it again and again and again. It's interesting. Sometimes the market really cares and, you know, penalizes them, and sometimes the market sort of looks through it. I feel, feel like Especially we're Especially when there's in... bigger fish to fry, like there yes, are right, right. now. And, but I, right, I think, though, that now everything is sort of through a negative lens. You know, even you see things like, you know, uh, UNP, while it's not, it's not a, it doesn't have a currency issue, just the sort of general downtrodden economic feeling, recession looming, or here already, I don't know. So I feel like we will get penalized for FX hits. Q, how long have you been with the CNBC, the network? Many years. 20. 20 years. Maybe a little more. So you have a good launch. memory. You're a lot of young. How often have you talked about currencies in your 20 years? I guarantee not that often, but recently. <laughs> this is the third time. Well, think about it, though, and it's coming into your morning show without question. The fact that we're talking about currencies as often as we are and, and the bond market volatility is problematic. That's been something Doesn't we've been talking about Doesn't that mean we're the, near the end of this? I don't I think mean, like, so. The dollar's I, been rising for a year and a half, and, and I, I don't think yeah, you're saying no, it listen, might not be. And I know Dan's I, got I, a position I can understand why you would I, say that. I just that. feel like I feel like we're at a place, and if you read that, that uh, Bank of America's fund manager survey, I mean, long dollar is the most crowded trade, even for people that don't really buy the dollar. Um, it's their view. So uh, ultimately, I think this is a tailwind. I think it, we haven't heard about the dollar from the multinationals because I think there are bigger issues out there. Uh, I think we're going to hear a lot of it. It's a great time to throw excuses out there. But using the dollar as a headwind from here on out, I, I think not. And I think actually you start to see the BOJ get in gear. Um, the yen's going to actually strengthen substantially. So maybe we are at some sort of um, a, a point, Let's, maybe an inflection point, given what Tim said. I'll buy that. But, you know, the volatility is not going away. And my point all along long has been bond market volatility, which we have in spades, and now currency market volatility will manifest itself in the equity markets. And to a certain extent, we're starting to see that. So none of this, by the way, is healthy. None of this is a good sign. And if we do reverse, it's probably going to reverse in a meaningful way. And all this, at a certain point, I guess, everything makes its way into the equity market. And I don't think we're there yet. Yeah, I just that's a really good point. When you think about the sort of volatility we just have seen in rates and we've seen in currencies and obviously commodities over the course of this last year or so, I mean, the sell-off in the stock market, the S&P down 22%, feels really orderly. And we know, yeah, that VIX seems pinned in the high 20s or 30 or whatever. I think that really means to, to me that a lot of people who can hedge are hedged. That doesn't mean that they're wrong. It doesn't mean when I see those stats, you know, about, you know, put buying last week versus call buying and this that whatever, that that's going to go poof and those people are wrong. It means that sentiment shifted. So maybe we've just become sophisticated enough and to Guy's point that it's sooner or later it does have to work itself in the stock market as I've said it on this desk a lot. I mean, you know, we've had how many panicky days in the stock market this year? Last Thursday that reversal, but look at where the S&P is right now. It acts horrible given the velocity of that reversal last week. So to me, I think next week is going to be a really big week well, and, and just for the market. This week, as much as we, people seem to be making this assumption that rates 
rates are, are stabilizing. Rates have gone up every single day. The 10 years gone from basically 358 to 420 in the course of nine sessions. And if you look at Fed fund futures, and we talked about this last night, not only are they now north of 5 percent, or I didn't see the close, they certainly were over 5 percent today, but they're moving out the futures curve, which means it's going to take longer to get to that place. It's going to take longer to plateau. And rates are a big problem. A 10-year, you change your equity valuation for equities when you discount at a higher discount rate on the 10-year. So it just, you know, these are all things that I think, unfortunately, But you agree, though, that the fact that the S&P just acts the way it does here, oh, just I, hovering above those recent lows, it acts almost so complacent. I, I, I think it's going to be very difficult to not plumb lower on the S&P with rates moving higher. And I think down 26 doesn't make sense with all the other volatility we see. Yeah. Certainly reflected in all the Fed speak uh, this mm-hmm. week, too. Uh, coming up, a lot more earnings movers after the bell. Whirlpool, CSX moving in opposite directions after results. We'll get the latest from their quarters coming up next. Plus, Tesla tanking shares hit their lowest levels in over a year. On the back of last night's results, Elon's a bit farther today from that Apple Aramco market cap. Fast Money's back in two. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. A couple more after-hours movers, beginning with Whirlpool. The stock sinking deeper into the red after Q3 results miss on both the top and the bottom lines. The shares already hit a more than two-year low during the session today. Christina Partsonevelos has more out of the report. Hi, Christina. Hi. Well, Whirlpool shares put through the ringer after warning about weak demand in the coming months. The household appliance company cut its full-year guidance and said it would reduce production volume by 35% in this current quarter. Its full-year EPS earnings per share forecast was slashed substantially to 19 bucks from a prior range of $22 to $24 per share. So where is this weakness coming from? North American sales are down over 7%, but it's Europe, the Middle East, and Africa that contributed to a 28% plunge in revenue for that region. And still not bad enough for you? Whirlpool CEO Mark Bitzer warned that, quote, We see these challenges persisting into the first half of 2023. Shares are down over 4% in after hours and down over 44% year to date. Carl? 
Uh, Christina, thank you for that. that let's trade it. Uh, big ticket weakness, Karen? Is that what it's about? Yes. I mean, also it's about inflation. I mean, and, and so they see softening demand. When you have a production cut like that, that you just can't be so efficient, right? You can't run, you can't run as well. So they're going to have, obviously, an earnings cut. Uh, they, I assume, big margin hit. Still, now the valuation six and a half times earnings. So going into this, I mean, it's a big cut, 19 from 21 or 22. But I think, you know, at a mid-single-digit multiple, the market wasn't expecting great things from it. They do a great job, this company, but the macros are really, they're not great here. And, I mean, all, all the other things we're seeing, inflation for them, for their own costs, and then that hitting the customer as well. This so. is a cheap multiple for Whirlpool relative to itself. And, and I guess we're all saying that these are different times. But, um, boy, they, they really didn't get the best of both worlds here. In other words, they lost um, during supply chain when demand was through the roof. They couldn't deliver. They couldn't get the product out there. And now it's, it's a situation where you're also still seeing some margin pressure. I, I tell you what, the knock-on in this is also Best Buy and Home Depot and Lowe's where people are buying these things. And, and I think this is a case where people are walking into those stores and buying 15 other things. So I, I just be interested to see how that goes. Tim dropping a little Van Halen at you, by the way. I know you noticed that, which is a lousy Van Halen song because obviously it's a Sammy Hagar Van Halen. It's awful. With that now said... We, we've talked about this. No, and, and but not with on Q. Twitter, on Twitter, with I, I Q. like the rock, the rock hands yes. as you do it. So we'll debate best front man, DLR or Hagar on Twitter, folks. We'll see you there. Well, first of all, there is no debate, but there is a debate as to where you buy Whirlpool. And we're getting to levels we saw in March of 2020. I think the low close was 115, and we're within earshot of that now. If we were to get there, I think you buy it with both hands. But, you know, valuation has been a reason to own this stock for a while. It's been the wrong reason. So Tim's right to point out Home Depot, Best Buy, some of these other names. But you want to keep laser focused on the entry point. I think 115 it looks really good. It took me a minute to realize I was on 5150. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't realize I had done that. So good for you. Do you think I, I it, pointed it out for you. Sorry, it's cute. As a, uh, as a pull forward story like Peloton and Weber and all these other names. That- a little bit. But then you kind of extrapolate out. I think Tim made a really good point. If you think about like a Home Depot, there's other outlets. There's other levers there like rather than just kind of the, the manufacturer who has to deal with the headwinds of the strong dollar and all those other dynamics that you're talking about. But then look at a Masco, like a building product. Tell me, this is making new 52-week lows. Today, they report next week, trades at 10 times, you know, earnings. I mean, a cheap valuation, I think, Tim, you'd probably say relative to its history also yep. and many other things. But cheap gets cheaper, you know, and we haven't even had the official recession in some of these things. So, again, you know, we're still waiting for the whole housing market really to slow down, to have um, we're starting to see some of the data. So I, I think these things have lower lows. I faded some Freeport today, by the way, because, you know, and copper prices were up. But I this was fading some strength on a stock that's had a massive run but is down massively over the last six months. I, I just... I, I, as much as I say these companies are run better, and I think, think Freeport is, I think there's still some debt pay down, and I think the best times of this cycle for them are behind them. Well, once you, move, once you make this stuff, you've got to move it around. CSX, with results, shares more than recouping the day's losses after beating revenue estimates. Bertha Coombs is on that tonight. Hey, Bertha. Hey, Carl. CSX actually beating on both the top and the bottom line. Adjusted earnings of $0.52, cents, $0.02 cents better than the expectation. Revenues of $3.9 billion compared to $3.74 billion estimate. The Royal Giants saw growth in every segment, pretty much, led by 36% in coal, even as volumes were actually down 2% year over year due to production in the mines. Uh, 31% growth in automotive as the company says that the semiconductor challenges continue to ease. And 26% growth in trucking due to higher pricing and fuel recovery. They've also been able to attract more drivers. That's what they said during the call. The company's operating ratio for the quarter was 59.5%. Operating expenses up a 
about 25 percent year over year. Fuel costs up nearly 200 million, and the company included 43 million in labor expenses related to the tentative union agreements. The company says crew availability did improve during the quarter. But CSX is starting to, uh, well, they're still going to target double-digit revenue and operating income growth for the full year, despite the fact that they say the situation does remain uncertain, but they do see things starting to get back to normal in terms of shipments, Carl. Uh, Bertha, thanks. Uh, let's trade that. I'm, I'm glad she mentioned uh, efficiency because that was the UNP story earlier today. Technology companies, right? They're so much more efficient than they were a decade or so ago. J.B. Hunt we talked about recently. That sort of lines up with what CSX is saying. And for you technicians out there, Carter's watching. Go back to February of 2020. The stock had resistance at around $25.5, $26. Look at the recent 52-week low, $25.80. Bounced off that. Past resistance becomes support. You buy it around here. And listen, this trades at less than a market multiple on a stock that actually should be doing a lot better. Even in this environment with the market trading lower, I think you can own CSX what do you here. Think, Karen? Well, it's sort of interesting. Uh, UNP had a very different story yeah. of what you would think would be Noisy. very soon, though, right? Not Noisy. great comparison. Um, they had some labor issues. They had inefficiencies. They had some volume down. I don't know why it was so different, um, but good for CSX. It's, I mean, We've seen other other truckers, other not truckers, other uh, transports that have had labor issues. Good for them for solving that problem. What do you think? You get in front of any any transports if you really believe in a recession next year? So, guy, when you and Charles Dow penned the, the, see, the, 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 the see Carl, the, that's an age joke what? that he made, and it's not funny because no, I'm at a point now where the Dow I don't theory, the you Dow, might have known Charles Dow. The, but the Dow theory, you know, I mean, the, 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 the transports needed yeah. to confirm, you know, yes. what's going on in, in the industrials, and they're just not. They're actually leading you to somewhere else, in my opinion here. So I think that was originally the thesis here. I'm gonna stick with it, guy. You, yeah. you and your your, your guy did Thank good you work did. back then. He was at the Buttonwood tree. That yeah. was he was yeah. there, man. Is there a problem with that? It was fun back then. Under. I tell you, the world was a much different place, Q. <laughs> There's a lot more fast to come. Here's what's coming up next. Tesla heading downhill. Shares of the EV maker nearly breaking below the $200 mark as investors get a view under the hood. So how long will delivering delays keep this name in the shop? The details next. Plus, oil options. Traders filling up on one stock ahead of results tomorrow. But don't count on high energy when the numbers cross. You're watching Fast Money, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. We're back right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money, an update on Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter. Washington Post with a piece just now uh, reporting the Tesla CEO has told potential investors he plans to cut nearly 75 percent of the company's employee base. This on a day uh, shares of Tesla dropped to their lowest level since June of last year, crossed uh, nearly crossed below the $200 mark. Uh, pretty remarkable. That's a big number. We, I mean, we're used yeah. to 5, 10, 20 percent of a, of a workforce. I, what does that leave him with? I don't know. I 
I'm surprised he would announce that before he would close. Maybe he's hoping people, you know, leave in droves and that's an out for him. Well, that's I, exa- I mean, think about I mean, if you're a Twitter employee right now, and I'm sure some of them are watching, you're sticking around for that? No, you're, I mean, you're out the Your door Your resume's already. out there. I mean, it's, it's pretty interesting. Now, let's talk about Tesla, the stock. By the way, excellent job by Dan Nathan on this one. And we get a lot of haters, as does your show in the morning from time to time, because we have been collectively bearish. Guess what? It's also been right. Now Tesla's down more than 50, 50% from its all-time high in November and probably going lower from here. There will be a point to buy Tesla. I happen to think it's 175, and you buy it when it gets there. But it sure feels like we're headed that way, Carl. You were just talking about Twitter earlier, in, in uh, framing it through the lens of Snapchat. I Listen, I look at this, and I see this as posturing. I, I actually don't. He does not want to buy it. The people who committed to the equity don't want to buy it. The, the banks who committed the debt don't want him to buy it, okay? The only people that want him to do it are Twitter shareholders. And then think about a lot of these Twitter employees that are going to get fired Okay, not going to end up well for them in a really bad job market. Okay, so like if you think about that, I think this is posturing. I think we're going to get to that date next Friday. I don't think the deal is going to close. And I mean, this is my. So it's not good for Tesla stock, though. So we get back to again. Maybe, there, but or is part it just of this a, Tesla move has, has been Twitter and fifty-two forty. I mean, it's closed at the price. Why are you even hanging in there unless we've had that conversation? Yeah. Was that fifty-four? All right, so we've got two bucks. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, but or was the whole thing a big ruse? Remember in November of last year, he tweeted out, "Should I like sell stock to pay taxes?" And then he came up with this thing to buy Twitter. He never thought a court was going to make him buy it. He's sold tens of billions of dollars. He's been the best seller of this stock from a $1.2 trillion market cap all the way down to 52-week lows down here. the Twitter thing was a ruse to get him to be able to sell yes. Tesla? No way! Yeah. No way! <laughs> He's going to have to buy it. You don't sign that card. Co- He's going to have to buy it. We'll okay. see. We'll see. Okay. We'll see. It'd be interesting. That's usually we get split a two box here. Split them up? I'm just saying, I'm the, only, I'm the only person I know who thinks that he's not going to end up buying it. You know what I mean? And, and, and who knows? I mean, like, maybe I'm the dumbest guy. In the, I am the dumbest guy in the desk, obviously. Yeah, the dates are approaching yeah. fast. <laughs> Coming up, we're keeping an eye on shares of Snap. The stock plummeting after the earnings report uh, earlier tonight. A top tech analyst will join us next. Break down those results. 25% loss after hours. Plus, energy options. We're going to hone in on one name gearing up to report tomorrow and that has options traders piling in how they're playing it when fast money returns get your trades to go with the fast money podcast catch us anytime anywhere follow today on your favorite podcasting app we're back right after this Welcome back to Fast Money. Another look at the major downside reversal we saw today on the street. The Nasdaq up nearly a percent and a half at the highs, then closed down more than half a percent. The S&P and the Dow did follow suit. Meantime, 10-year Treasury continues its unrelenting climb, closing over 4-2 for the first time since 08. An even bigger record set by the yen, the weakest against the dollar since 1990. Meanwhile, take a look at shares of Tenet Healthcare, down over 15 percent tonight. Outlook was below expectations, and they did announce a buyback program. God, that seems to be the uh, the trend. Some bad news, buyback. Yeah, billion-dollar buyback for now. It's probably a $6 billion company. It's not insignificant. That's the good news. The bad news is, I mean, this fourth-quarter guide is a joke. I mean, they guided a dollar to a dollar fifty-four. You could drive one of those JBHT trucks through that number one, and that's coming off, I think, consensus of a buck eighty. None of this is particularly good. So the stock is probably trading 46 or so. I'm looking at it now. Makes sense. It actually should be lower. This is a name that I've liked in the past, and I probably still like, but this guidance is a disaster. I'd really like to see what they had to say. With that said, there's still probably the best hospital out there, but the guidance, somebody has to do some explaining here. 
On the flip side, Elevance, which used to be the old well point, had good numbers today, lower medical loss ratio. So maybe that's dollars that would have gone to tenant that didn't. Uh, but guy, other than today, is very, very, very spot on for a long, long time, but, Lieutenant. You know, to your point about, like, it seems to be the playbook, buy back the stock if you're gapping lower in 52-week lows. I mean, this company, this is a joke. I mean, they have, like, like a like $5 billion, um, you know, equity market cap and, like, like $15 billion in debt. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? So, like, you know, it, it just seems like. Well, a program doesn't mean they buy it back either. Right. I mean, they just can make an announcement like that, and it. it's a great headline, yeah. but it does not mean they're going to go buy that stock. So Snap did the same thing tonight. They talked about a $500 million program, like yeah. big deal. Yeah. Speaking of which, your earnings, another look at Snap tonight. The social media giant tumbling to its lowest level since March of 2020. Advertising, advertisers are fleeing. Uh, Jeffrey's senior tech analyst Brent Thill joins us for another look. Brent, uh, what, uh, what stood out to you in terms of the metrics, uh, the guidance, even after, what, six weeks ago, telling us that August was accelerating? What stands out is they don't have a clue on visibility. They're basically saying revenue growth is accelerating what they see now, but they're saying it's going to drop off a cliff in the back of Q4, taking revenue growth to zero. Again, this is a company a year ago said they can grow 50% indefinitely, and everyone was like, they jumped the shark. There's no way they're going to make that number. But to get to zero uh, just shows you they just don't have any visibility, and brand advertisers are pulling back. This is a, a sign of the macro economy. Uh, we've said this before, advertising is the first thing a CEO cuts at a company when we go into a macro pullback. And so ultimately, we don't think Google and Amazon and the rest of the advertising ecosystem is going to be as bad as Snap, but we're seeing this. We even saw in, you know results of Adobe. They have exposure to advertising markets. These markets are softening, and it's a direct reflection of the macro coming down and the tactical pain we're all seeing across uh, across the broader macro landscape so hey brent part you know part part snap specific part of this is also advertising uh and, and clearly i don't believe google will be as bad but i think everyone is bracing now for for the worst so i think you've addressed some of the main questions in there so i'll just get into then you know the companies that have been already marked down multiple times that i agree are, are not snap um where are valuation sensible even in an environment where we know the ad spend is coming in I think the valuation sensible still at, at Google at nine and a half times EBITDA. It's one multiple turn below that of S&P. Um, so Google has you know really good support. Uh, clearly, I don't think anyone in advertising right now has support. We're seeing multiples in the internet basically fall out of the sky. There have been names like Lyft that go in, in, in Uber go to one, one and a half times sales across the industry. So I think what we're seeing is even though Snap looked cheap going into this, um, the multiples really don't matter. As long as the fundamentals are deteriorating, no one wants to be in tech. And what I'd say is that our clients continue to be overweight energy and other sectors. And it's tech has really given them no reason to come back in. So our clients are telling me, hey, thanks for talking to me about software and internet, but I'll talk to you in 2023. So it's an awful tone. Everyone's underweight the group. Uh, I think right now everyone's just waiting for all these companies to reset numbers. And we've said this, there's gonna be a lot of black ice this winter. Uh, it, again, in Q1 23, until these companies really cut the numbers hard, and we're starting to see almost every every single tech company cut numbers. That's probably not going to come to a head until early 23, and so that's why we're still, you know, tactically concerned about about multiple compression. But for long-term investors, I, I mean, I heard this show earlier when Dan was talking about below 10 on Snap. I don't disagree. I mean, how could Twitter be worth 44 billion, and this is worth? 13, 14, they're growing users, the revenue 
was okay. The EBITDA beat. The numbers in the quarter were okay. It's just the guide was awful. Uh, as for um, Snap itself, we spent the year going through earnings report after earnings report all year long where we get 25 down after the market. Does the, do you think there's a comms issue that's worse at Snap than at just about any peer? Yeah, I mean, they're going through some turmoil, right? They, they lost uh, two of their top ad execs to go to Netflix. So you have effectively that happening. You have, I think, the advertisers are saying they want to go where there's where the wallets are. So my kids love Snap. They're on Snap. They use it more than they did a year ago. But advertisers aren't there because the younger audience doesn't have the capital. Uh, the parents have the capital. And if we go into a recession, right, we're still going to buy shampoo and toilet paper and other things off of Amazon. So you're going to see advertisers flock to Google, Amazon, these proven platforms. We're hearing it through these ad checks. They're still spending. They're going to trade desks for connected TV. Uh, and, and they're benefiting in a big way. So there's others that are benefiting from uh, from Snap's uh, failure. And obviously there's a TikTok issue that's going on as well here. So I think it's competitive, it's uh, it's dollars in advertising moving to proven spend, and then you have just an overall macro slowdown, which again, the first thing, it's a stereo knob. It, it can go from 10 to, to one or zero overnight. The CEO can walk in and say, no more ad spend. And there's no there's nothing like that in, in enterprise software. They don't they don't do that to salesforce.com budgets, right? Or Microsoft budgets. So this is the first place you can cut. I think it is an indication where the macro is going for the broader uh, uh, market. Uh, and and again, there's little visibility that we can see right now. Uh, and, and and again, when Snap starts the quarter at nine percent growth and says it's gonna it's gonna fall off and they're gonna end up zero for the quarter. That just that sums it up right there. It's yeah. zero visibility. All right. Brent, appreciate that. Uh, Brent Thill joining us on Snap tonight. Let's trade it. What do you think in light of all that? Well, I, I think for the investors who watch the show, a lot of them aren't day trading. A lot of them are actually long-term investors. And everything he said about Google and, and even Facebook, but but I'll, I'll just stick with Google, is is why you should be nibbling in stocks like this. And again, we're talking about a company with a peg ratio of probably less than one. And even, you know, it, you, okay, throw some throw some in recession out there, throw ad budgets being cut. I, I just think these are the times that these types of companies go on sale. And Google's business doesn't get destroyed here. In fact, if anything, as Brent talked about, on a relative basis, they are the place that people will go to. You think it's as simple as ad, just instant knife to ad budgets? Because P&G was on earlier in the week, and they're, like, maintaining some budgets because they believe their pricing is going to hold. Yeah, I, I well... Yeah. I guess we can believe Snap. They're saying, yes, that is what's happening. We'll see if Meta confirms that. I think directionally it's happening. Maybe Snap is trying to sort of, you know, massage it a little bit to look better. But, you know, Alphabet is my biggest position, so this is painful for me as well. But I just feel like the valuation, I know he said it's black ice, which is an interesting term. That makes scary sense. stuff, by the way, black right, ice. Black yeah, ice. man, I lived in Russia, and there was a lot of black ice there. It's Yeah, so that's scary, Weird. but, you know, I'm long, I'm staying long. I don't think I'll be able to sell it and then be able to buy it back and figure out when I'm just staying long. I like the name. I mean, we have like a his history lesson here. By the way, David Lee Roth in a landslide no, on the there. poll, yeah. number yeah. one. Anyway, back to Van Halen. No, I'll go to Google real quick. I mean, I think all roads lead back to Google, which is a stock, you can say it, on valuation, you can make an extraordinarily compelling case in earnings next week. And Facebook, Meta, their problems, most of them are self-inflicted. 126 now. We're within a whisper of their 52-week low, which is remarkable if you think about where the stock, where it is now. And even with the valuation, it's compelling how poorly it's traded. Oh. 
Remarkable. Coming up, uh, Schlumberger on deck to report tomorrow. We're going to dive into the options pits to see how traders are playing that name. Details coming up next. Plus, a trader triple play. Three big moves from today's session. Our traders will dig into that action with Fast Money. Comes right back. Welcome back to Fast Money. We're counting down to earnings out of Schlumberger. The company has numbers before the bill tomorrow, and options traders are betting there's weakness to come. Uh, let's join. Uh, let's trade it this morning hey, with uh, Mike Cow. Hey, Mike. Hey, how are you? So, yeah, in Schlumberger, we saw about three times the average daily put volume today. Uh, the options market is implying a move of about 3.6% in line with the 3% or so that the company has averaged over the last eight reported quarters. And the busiest contract were the October 45 puts. We saw over 22,000 of those trade for about 44 cents. And that was largely the result of some big institutional purchases that took place about 20 minutes before noon. We saw about two-thirds of the volume trading in just a couple of minutes at that time today. Buyers of those puts are obviously betting that Schlumberger could fall after they report earnings tomorrow morning, risking about 1% of the stock. Now, it's possible that they could be hedging, of course, because the stock is up over 8% since last Friday. All right, uh, let's trade that. Tim, what do you think? Yeah, uh, long Schlumberger have been for a while. I think, if anything, the free cash flow generation gets better. I, I think the margin gets better and the growth gets better. Remember, this is a digital company. This is a tech company. Uh, they have digital and integrative, uh, less CapEx intensive and higher margin businesses that lead the industry. And I think we're going to start to hear more and more about that. Uh, Mike, appreciate it. Mike Coe, uh, they're on SLB tomorrow. For more options action, be sure to tune into the full show tomorrow at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Coming up, some big moves in very different sectors. Regionals getting wrecked. AT&T on a tear. LVS hitting a jackpot. Our trader triple play is next when we're back in two. Welcome back to Fast Money. Time for a trader triple play. First up, regional banks getting rattled today, posting losses bigger than the broader financial sector. Fifth Third, Truist, Comerica, all hitting at least 52-week lows, even as yields continue to rise. Let's trade that. Key was another problem today, uh, Karen? Yeah, I'm sort of surprised. You would think it would set up nicely, right, with the yield curve being the way it is. But I guess we're seeing deposit runoffs. And um, so I, I was sort of surprised. I thought they would actually do better. I got to say Fifth Third, I think it is one of the dumbest names of all time. <laughs> I mean, that. Not truest. True, truest. Truest is so much better. Dress Barn, also really dumb. And the third worst, <laughs> the athlete's foot, which used to be wow, a Wow, this is a fun game. We didn't yeah, that's, no, that's all I got. be an entire section. It's ridiculous. Uh, Athlete's foot. That's uh, awful. Next yeah, up, uh, the letter T is tearing it up. Shares of AT&T zooming higher on a strong earnings report. The company sees wireless revenue rising at its fastest rate in over a decade. Stocks up 10% at the highs, put in its best day since March of 2020. Let's trade that telecom name. Yeah, there. I would rather have athlete's R foot than own <laughs> AT&T. Right. I mean, right. yeah, good for them today. I saw the CEO did a great job explaining things, talked about how in order for the yield to go lower in terms of the dividend. The stock has to go higher. I appreciate hey, that. That makes tutorial. a lot of sense. Wow. That helped me. With that said, I mean, up until recently, the stock market's been on fire. AT&T has been awful for a decade. I don't see any reason why it's going to stop being awful. 
you know, it seems like you know the players were fighting each other. Now they've ganged up to fight an entirely different industry, right? Yeah, and an industry that that's losing some ground. It's it's, it's never been more competitive. It's not more competitive within the industry and, and the failed media forays. And, and remember, the only thing AT&T had for it was in fact um, that it wasn't named Dress Barn and it had a big dividend. And, and at this point, who cares about a big dividend? In fact, people owned it for at least a yield, even if capital return total return was awful. And, and I think in this environment with a four and a half percent six month, uh, you don't need AT&T stock. Yeah, and you just got to point out T-Mobile here, the relative strength relative to Verizon and AT&T, and obviously the market, it's up 17% of the year, it trades very well. So there's something going on over there, even in this competitive environment. So I, again, I don't find you know the forays that AT&T and Verizon had and all this other stuff particularly interesting. The pure play, I guess, is T-Mobile. Uh, last but not least, casino operator Las Vegas Sands jumping despite posting a bigger loss than expected in the latest quarter. Revenues did beat. Uh, Tim added to his position today. Yeah, and look, I've, I've owned this stock around this level now for, for nine months, and it's been frustrating. But I also feel really comfortable both about the balance sheet, their business in broader Asia. So in Singapore, uh, Sands Marina Bay is starting to show some real some real traction. But the, the, the multiple on this thing is down two thirds from where it was. And, and I, I just you know what we hear about these guys and, and for Forget the, the madness that's been going on in China. Um, as long as they hold those licenses, and I think we got some good news in China at the end of September. So uh, this isn't going to be simple, but this is one that's going to be very rewarding. I know you prepare for both Tech Check and Squawk on the Street whilst watching Fast Money, so you shall know that Win was the W in my dawn trade this time last year, which has not been good. But if China zero COVID policy ever goes away and the world gets set back to some semblance of normalcy, Tim is right. These casino stocks, specifically LVS and Win, are way too cheap. There is a, a school of thought that once we get done with this uh, Congress uh, in uh, in Beijing, that that's the time when they do they make their move. You know, the irony is in the lead up to the pandemic. Obviously, none of us saw that coming here. You know, the story for those names, Win in particular, was just Macau, Macau, and, and all this sort of stuff. And now it's just dead. So if you are a bit of a contrarian and you like like to your point and you say, what is that being valued at? That was what two thirds of Win's revenues or something like that. You know, that one at some point when it bottoms out around here is probably the way to go. When we come back, your final trades. Time for final trades. Let's go around the horn, Dan. Yeah, I got to wish a very happy birthday to a very special, probably the luckiest woman in the world, my wife. Happy birthday there, Sarah. Um, Snap, I'm long. I'm adding to it here. All right, as we talked about for most of the hour. Uh, Tim? Here's a company that's not Snap, Google. And, and again, I get back to a peg ratio. Maybe it's one, maybe it's 1.1, maybe it's one and a half. Uh, this is a company I think you're buying on this weakness. All right, Karen? Yeah, love that one. Also, uh, the one-year treasury here, at well north of four, I think it's a great risk reward. I'm finally As I'm mentioned last night, yeah. Tim's playing across the street, literally at the heart. If you're in the area of Times Square, you should go because Tim rocks. He's a Thank drummer. You. Yankees obviously playing a few hours. Q, I know you're locked in. We will be watching you on both your shows tomorrow without question. Ranger hockey for those so inclined. Oh, nice but update. Lockheed Martin has been on fire, Tim Seymour. Yes. Carl, thank you for joining us. It's yes. been great to have you guys. Uh, we'll see you guys in the morning with uh, Amex and Schlumberger, as we said, Verizon. We'll see how Snap opens. Uh, thanks for watching Fast. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday 
and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.